This is Mona. You're listening to A Devil's Tale. Welcome to our fourth episode. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different. A few days ago, Aaliyah's cat Chalk was attacked by a feral cat. So this week, Aaliyah is busy taking care of her kitty, and she will join us next week. In the meantime, please send Chalk good healing vibes. Today's case is from South Korea and involved probably the biggest manhunt in the 20th century. It is also one of the most infamous cold cases in South Korea. March 26, 1991 was a public holiday for local elections. It was the first local elections in 30 years and the town's adults were all pretty preoccupied. School was closed for the day, and a lot of kids planned to hang out with friends and neighbors. It was no different for the five boys from today's story. The oldest boy, Wu, was 13 years old. Joel was 12. Kim was 11. Park was 10. And Zhong was 9. They all went to the same elementary school, and the families lived very close to each other. Their houses formed a circle in the village, and the boys often played together. Wu's father said that the boys were closer than brothers, and the families called them the Five Musketeers. So after breakfast on March 26th, the boys played outside near the houses. Wu's dad recalled Wu coming back into the house to grab a thicker jacket around 9 a.m. When Wu's dad asked him where he and the boys are going, Wu just said, Oh, we're just going to play outside. The boys actually decided to spend the day in the streams of Mount Wadion searching for salamander eggs. Mount Wadion was only a couple kilometers away from their houses. It had a military base on the left, a pond on the right, and a shooting range above the pond. Local children often played by the pond to catch frogs, salamanders, or small fish. At around 1 p.m., Wu's dad got a call from the local Taekwondo Academy because Wu didn't show up for his class. Wu's dad soon realized his boy wasn't the only one missing. He started to call up all the other parents and asked around if anyone had seen the five boys. A friend of the parents said he saw the boys walking together earlier in the day and asked them where they were going. The boys told him they're going to hunt down some salamander eggs. The friend was pretty sure the boys were going up the hill to the pond since that's where all the local kids would go to do such things. The parents immediately searched the hillside, the town, and each other's houses, but the boys were nowhere to be seen. The parents then immediately called the cops. The police initially didn't take it too seriously. They told the parents the boys probably just lost track of time playing. However, later that night, when the boys never came home, the police started a search team and they searched until next morning and found nothing. The parents had a horrible night. They were frustrated with the police and worried sick about their children. Kim's dad later said, I had a horrible dream that night. He was pouring outside. My son was outside of the house. He peeked in and was gone without a word. I ran after him and called his name but he wouldn't turn to look back. In the meantime, 
the police decided to change their tactic and they started looking for more witnesses who had seen the boys. They quickly found two more witnesses. There was a middle-aged woman who worked at a restaurant near Mount Waryong. She saw the boys hiking up the hill around 10 a.m. Everything looked very normal then. The boys were talking to each other and hiking. The other witness was a boy similar age to the missing boys. He also went to the same elementary school. He was playing with his friends near Mount Waryong too on March 26th. When they reached halfway up the hill, the boy heard a loud noise, like a gunshot, two screams, then silence. He wasn't sure if the screams are connected to his five schoolmates since he didn't see anyone. After talking to all the witnesses, the police decided to do another extensive search, but they came up with nothing. Because this case involved five missing children, it quickly caught media's attention and it became national news. As information traveled, somehow salamander became frogs, and the case became known to the nation as the missing frog boys. Ten days after the boys disappeared, Zhong's uncle received a phone call asking for ransom. The call said, if the families want the children back, they need to bring 4 million won, about $3,600, to the entrance of Mount Waryong. After the call, Zhuang's parents and uncle immediately got the money ready and went to the location mentioned in the phone call. But no one showed up. The police later determined the call to be a prank. With the police refusing to do further investigation and calling the boys runaways, all of the parents decided to go on a live broadcast show, hoping to bring more attention to the case. They expressed their frustration with the lack of interest from the police department and also wanted the nation to help finding their missing children. The case caught the attention of South Korea's then-president, Roh Tae-woo. He mobilized 300,000 cops and military personnel to continue the search. 200 million copies of posters were printed and handed out nationwide. The boys' pictures were also printed onto the back of cigarette boxes. The hillside was searched thoroughly for a year by police, families, and volunteers, but nothing turned up. They also searched reservoirs, irrigation waterways, bus terminals, and stations nationwide. But as time went on, the parents felt that the law enforcement didn't really care and they were only searching because of the orders coming from the president. The five fathers were determined to do everything despite the lack of interest from the police. They quit their jobs rented a small van, and searched across the country. The outside of the van was covered with the children's photos with words saying, please help us find our missing children. This long journey of searching took a toll on their emotional and physical health. Some turned to alcohol to soothe their anger and pain. One of the fathers became addicted to sleeping pills because he couldn't sleep. During the search conducted by the parents, they also tried to collect evidence. Wu's father remembered their children's schoolmate said he heard a gunshot and two screams. So the parents went back to the boy and asked him if it was true he heard a loud noise before the screams. And the boy said, yes, absolutely. But this detail was completely disregarded by the police. Three years go by. No more new developments from the law enforcement and the public interest has died down at this point. The boys' fathers decided to stop the search and went back to their jobs in order to pay the debt they have accumulated in searching for their children. However, the fathers started notice they were being followed by intelligence agencies everywhere. 
When asked, the agent said they were there to protect the family's safety, but the parents felt it simply wasn't true. As the families slowly built their lives back, Ga Wong Kim, a criminal psychologist who has studied in the U.S., claimed the children were buried in Zhong's family's backyard. Zhong was the youngest boy in the group who went missing. The psychologist believed Zhong's father was guilty because there were three hours he couldn't clearly account for on the day the boys went missing. The police took the allegation very seriously and started investigate Zhong's father. They dug up the backyard, searched every inch of the house. Media was there. People gathered to watch. The house was completely ruined, and the police found nothing. It seemed like the so-called criminal psychologist just wanted to get famous. And since criminal psychology was a relatively new field then in South Korea, his words were taken very seriously, and it caused irreversible emotional trauma to the families. After the allegation. Zhuang's father got very ill due to emotional stress. He died of liver cancer five years later. In 2002, a year after his death and 11 years after the boy's disappearance, two hikers found the boy's bodies on the mountain only a few kilometers away from their homes. When the police arrived at the scene, they completely butchered the scene by excavating the bodies in whatever ways they could and arranging the bones randomly by length instead of trying to put a complete body together. When the forensic team arrived at the scene, they couldn't believe their eyes. The whole crime scene looked very absurd and unprofessionally handled. Even with all the evidence tampering, it was very clear that the boys did not die from natural causes. Their clothes were tied together into knots. There were broken pieces of bullets scattered around their bones with empty cartridges. However, a day after the remains were found, the police chief said in the press conference that the boys died of hypothermia because the area often rained and was consistently cold. The theory was so ridiculous that it prompted the Korean Alpine Federation, who are often called in for mountain area emergency, to check the site. The rescue team director said it was absolutely not a case of hypothermia. The area wasn't even 100 meters away from the streets. The boys could have easily ran home within five minutes if the weather got bad. One evidence that was confirmed was that the broken bullet pieces found near the bones were definitely from the military's shooting range. However, the military insisted that there was no practice happening on the day the boys disappeared, since it was a national holiday. But one detail they failed to mention was that although regular-ranked soldiers had no access to shooting range on election day, the commissioner officers did. They could have used the shooting range whenever they wanted. The range was only 100 to 200 meters away from where the bodies were found. It is a distance that M16 rifles could easily reach. Since the police butchered a lot of the evidence when they dug up the bones. The forensic team had to work with whatever they had, but they found sharp injuries on three out of the five skulls. The injuries appeared to be blows from metal objects, possibly a tool of some kind. According to the forensic team, three out of the five boys appeared to have been hit on the head and died of cranial injuries. It was also rumored that an officer did fire his gun that day to get rid of leftover bullets, but his identity remains unknown to this day. Two years after the remains were found, the investigation fizzled out, and police couldn't find any more evidence. 
The boys' parents believed that one of the boys were shot accidentally, and the rest were killed to cover up the accident. Some experts also believe it was done by a psychopath. However, there was no similar case with similar MO before or after this crime. It is very eerie that the boys' clothes were tied together in a particular way, and their bones were meticulously buried. If they died of natural causes, their bodies would have been above ground, perhaps eaten by animals, showing very different set of forensic evidence. The parents felt that the police and the military lied to the public and failed to give them a proper closure. They sued the police department three times, but lost all of the trials. Wu's father to this day hasn't given up looking for answers. With modern technology, he's hoping the police will find more forensic evidence. The new police team is also more sympathetic to the families and are more willing to hear the families out. South Korea has also removed the statute of limitation for first-degree murder. It used to be 15 years. Now, if there's new evidence, then the case can be reopened. The parents took the ashes of the boys to Nakdong River so they can float away into the Pacific Ocean. Park's dad said they died together, so we want them to play together in afterlife. I want to end this very sad story by reading something Wu's father wrote to his son and all of the other boys. It is said that when your parents die, you bury them in the ground, but when your children die, you bury them in your heart. I thought I could forget you after seeing you return to dust, but I miss you even more as time goes by. Please leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe if you have enjoyed our story so far. Also, we would love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, story requests, or just want to say hi, you can write to us at a devil's tale at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again, and we will see you next time.